We're going to be looking at kind of a difficult passage, so let me just warn you, fasten your seatbelts. We're going to be doing some interesting Bible interpretation today. And you might even want to grab a pad and take some notes because I'm going to ask you a lot of questions throughout that you might want to ponder during the week. Do you ever wish you could know the future? For instance, would you like to know when this COVID thing is going to be over? I wonder if it's ever going to get back to normal. I think I'd kind of like to know, but thinking back to March, I don't think I would have wanted to know that we still had COVID going into the fall. So maybe it's kind of a blessing not to know sometimes. Or maybe you've wondered if God has a mate in your future, or children, or grandchildren, or a new job. Or maybe you even want to know how long you will live. I sure don't. <laughs> Do you really want to know the future? Let's think about that. Sometimes we are almost desperate, wishing God would tell us our future. We long for God to speak to us, to answer our questions, to give us assurance. You might say we are hungry for God, as we've just heard in this song. We are hungry for God to move, to speak a word into our lives. Wouldn't it be nice if God just told us a little bit about the future? Well, that's where we find Daniel in our scripture today. We're wrapping up our sermon series today on the book of Daniel. Uh, so let's take a look back at, through the book and what we've seen. We've seen Daniel and his friends go through lots of trials. And we've uh, seen that they were exiled to Babylon as teenagers. You may have noticed all the trials in the book of Daniel are related to how to be faithful to God in a pagan land. Hopefully you haven't missed how that speaks to our world today too. We may not be told to worship huge statues, but how often are we tempted by advertising and the culture to worship materialism and money and other false gods? We've seen in this sermon series how Daniel and his friends stood up to the king and re resisted eating the royal food that was contrary to their Hebrew food laws. They refused to bow to idols and had to endure the fiery furnace and the lion's den. The message of the book of Daniel is the same to them and to us. If we stay faithful, God will save us. As you may remember, Daniel was only around 15 years old when the book began. And now in chapter 9, we see him as an old man in his 80s. So let's read Daniel's own words in chapter 9. See if you can identify with any of this. Listen for the word of the Lord. I, Daniel was meditating on the scriptures that gave, according to the word of God, to the prophet Jeremiah, the number of years that Jerusalem had to lie in ruins, namely 70. I turned to the master God, asking for an answer, praying earnestly, fasting for meals, wearing rough penitential burlap, and kneeling in the ashes. I poured out my heart, bearing my soul to God, my God. Oh, Master, great and awesome God, you never waver in your covenant commitment. Never give up on those who love you and do what you say. Yet we have sinned in every way imaginable. We've done evil things, rebelled, dodged, and taken detours around your clearly marked paths. We turned a deaf ear to your servants, the prophets, who preached your word to our kings and leaders and all the people of the land. You have done everything right, Master, but all we have to show for our lives is guilt and shame. The whole lot of us, people of Judah, citizens of Jerusalem, Israel at home, and Israel in exile, 
in all the places we've been banished to because of our betrayal of you. Oh yes, God, we've been exposed in our shame, all of us, our kings, leaders, parents, before the whole world, and deservedly so because of our sin. Compassion is our only hope. The compassion of you, the master, our God. Since in our rebellion, we forfeited our rights. We paid no attention to you when you told us how to live. The clear teaching that came through your servants, the prophets. All of us in Israel ignored what you said. We defied your instructions and did what we pleased. And now we're paying for it. Master, listen to us. Master, forgive us. Master, look at us and do something. Master, don't pull us off, put us off. Your city and your people are named after you. Wow, can you feel Daniel's hunger, his desperation? Maybe you can identify if you've prayed a similar prayer in your life to know God's will. You might be a little curious about what Daniel was reading that triggered this fervent prayer. At least I was. <laughs> Well, thankfully, we have access to the scroll of Jeremiah, too, in our book form of the Bible. And you may be familiar with this scripture, Jeremiah 29. God says, As soon as Babylon's 70 years are up and not a day before, I'll show up and take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you not abandon you, plans to give you the future you hope for. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. I like using the message translation uh, it's really a paraphrase, but I think it does a good job with some of these difficult pas passages of making them more understandable to us. So Daniel realizes from reading this in the scroll of Jeremiah that God has promised to listen to prayers when the 70 years of exile is completed. And it's been 66 years at this point, so that's why Daniel is moved to pray so fervently. Now, interestingly, Daniel is always described as righteous and faithful. So you may wonder, why is he in this prayer taking on the sins of the Israelites as he prays on their behalf? He says we all through it. Some might say it's a foreshadowing of what Jesus will do later. Also in this prayer, Daniel is fulfilling another scripture, the promise of 2 Chronicles 7.14, where God tells Israel, you may have heard this before, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Have you heard that before? It's often quoted as something our country needs to do. So let's pray for our country also, like Daniel prayed for his. And spoiler alert, <laughs> God answers Daniel's prayer. Why does God answer this prayer? Well, I think there's a couple reasons. First, as Dee Dee mentioned in her Holy Habits sermon last week, Daniel is in the habit of praying. Daniel is a man after God's own heart, and he is praying in accordance with God's will. Also, I think God hears Daniel because of Daniel's passion. Daniel really wants God to hear this prayer, to make something happen. Rick Warren preached a whole sermon series called How to Pray Like Daniel. 
And in one of those sermons, um, he compared it to asking someone to marry you. You know, if you think about it, if you just go up to someone and you're kind of distracted and you just kind of say, um, well, um, you know, I was just kind of wondering, uh, would you maybe possibly think about uh, maybe marrying me? I bet you get a no. <laughs> but if you get down on your knees and plead humbly and passionately, I love you so much, I want to spend the rest of my life with you, and I, don't, I know I don't deserve you, but please give me a chance. I'll try every day to make you the happiest person in the world. I think you're a lot more likely to get a yes. And I think that's how God hears our prayers, too. Throughout the Old Testament, our relationship with God is described as a human love relationship, as being like that. Isn't it wonderful to know that God wants that kind of fervent love and devotion from us? And of course, God's love and desire to be made to be with us is made even clearer in the life of Jesus. So let's pray like Daniel. God wants us to pray like Daniel, praying with passion in the midst of our hunger, to confess and to be honest about our need for God. Now, right after Daniel prays this passionate prayer, something miraculous happens. You might even call it a big surprise. Have you ever had a big surprise when you were praying? I think that's one of the ways we know for sure our answer is from God. Just like a good parent buying a child an unexpected gift, God loves to surprise us with good things. God often even gives us something we didn't ask for as an extra blessing. That's what happens to Daniel. Daniel writes, While I was pouring out my heart, bearing my sins and the sins of my people, praying my life out before God, interceding for the holy mountain of my God, while I was absorbed in this praying, the human like Gabriel, the one I had seen in an earlier vision, approached me, flying in like a bird, about the time of evening worship. How about that? Have you ever had an angel fly in while you're praying? Before Daniel had only seen angels in his visions. Now it's, it's up in real life and personal. Now as a side note, I love angels, and this is the verse where we get the idea that angels have wings. Do you know that it's never mentioned anywhere in the Bible that angels have wings? But all of our pictures and statues seem to show them with wings. And I think it's because... Even though they're described often as looking almost like ordinary humans, they tend to appear very suddenly and leave very quickly. Um, so we may have just assumed that they had wings, though no scripture specifically tells us that. Just an interesting side note, at least to me. <laughs> so getting an angel is the first surprise. Daniel goes on. Gabriel stood before me and said, Daniel, I have come to make things plain to you. Remember that, plain to you. You had no sooner started your prayer when the answer was given. And now I'm here to deliver the answer to you. You are much loved. Isn't that rather amazing? The angel says you had no sooner started your prayer when the answer was given. Daniel had to be at least a little surprised by this, especially by the part that God had already responded before the prayer was even finished. Preachers, take a note. Maybe that's a hint we should pray shorter prayers. <laughs> I even wonder, did it take Daniel praying this prayer for God to act? Think about that. What do you think? God stands outside space and time and obviously knows before we pray exactly what we're going to be praying about. 
Have you ever thought that sometimes God may be waiting for us to flip the switch just by actually praying? James says, you do not have because you do not ask. How many times has God wanted to answer a prayer that we kept inside and didn't express? Let's make a note never to do that. But listen for another surprise. Gabriel isn't finished. He goes on to say, So listen carefully to the answer, the plain meaning of what is revealed. Seventy-sevens are set for your people and for your holy city to throttle rebellion, stop sin, wipe out crime, set things right forever, confirm what the prophet saw, and anoint the holy of holies. And it goes on from there. Do you see the shift here? Gabriel is talking about the future. Certainly Daniel didn't expect that. The angel goes on to describe what is called by Bible scholars the prophecy of the 70 weeks. Now this is a new prophecy. It's not a repeat of Jeremiah's prophecy of the 70 years. You can go and read the rest of this prophecy in Daniel 9 if you'd like, but let me just warn you, it's pretty mind-boggling. So let me just give you kind of a Reader's Digest condensed version. I'm going to say this really fast too because it is so convoluted. <laughs> Gabriel tells Daniel, among other things, that there are going to be 70 weeks for the people and holy city to finish sinning, atone, bring in righteousness, seal both vision and prophet, and anoint a most holy place. Gabriel talks about restoring and rebuilding Jerusalem and the time of an anointed prince. Then the angel makes predictions of seven weeks and 62 weeks, a troubled time, the anointed prince being cut off, another prince destroying the city, and the sanctuary of flood, war, and desolations. There is a covenant of a week that is broken up into half a week. There are sacrifices and an abomination, followed by a decreed end poured out upon the desolator. Did you get that? <laughs> Clear as mud, right? Do you feel the irony, like I do, that Gabriel starts off with saying the meaning of these revelations will be plain to Daniel? Obviously, this is some deep prophecy. I can imagine Daniel saying, huh? Okay, I'm not really sure I wanted to know about that, but uh, thanks a lot, Gabriel. <laughs> I think we can be real and admit that this is also mind-boggling to us as 21st century readers of Daniel. And it's not just us. Biblical scholars have debated over the meaning of this prophecy for centuries and have come to no real consensus. The book of Daniel is often called the Revelation of the Old Testament, and like Revelation, there are almost as many interpretations as there are interpreters of what all this symbolism means. Now, scholars do agree that the weeks are not literal weeks, but years, and Hebrew years at that, which are in sevens. So 70 weeks would be 70 Hebrew years, or 490 of our years, which is about the time it took for uh, Jesus to come after this. So many scholars through the age have interpreted this passage as the messianic prophecy, meaning it predicts the coming of the Messiah. Jesus is usually identified as the anointed prince. Some of the more conservative Bible scholars have mapped out a complicated mathematical explanation of how the 70 weeks relate to Christ. And if you're interested, just about every sermon on YouTube does that. But even these scholars disagree among themselves about where the 70 weeks start and end and whether they are pointing to Jesus' birth or baptism or the triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday or something else. One of the earliest interpreters of this passage, St. Jerome, gave nine different interpretations in his time and came to no decision of his own. In fact, he said it was all guesswork 
And regarding trying to interpret it, he said, I cannot think that the least advantage can be derived from doing so. <laughs> J.A. Montgomery called this chapter of Daniel the dismal swamp of Old Testament biblical interpretation. Another article I read this week uh, said, all is chaos in the existing commentary. So what's a preacher to do with that? Side note, when Dee Dee asked me to preach on chapter 9 of Daniel, I was kind of like Daniel was with Gabriel. Uh, thanks, Dee Dee. <laughs> but not really. Thank you, Dee Dee. I really love diving deep into this chapter and coming to my own conclusions. The wonderful thing about Methodism is that our founder, John Wesley, encouraged Christians to be thinking people. And Wesley also believed that we did not have to think exactly alike. Isn't that refreshing? So I invite you to join the biblical scholars and ponder this passage. One thing we can't agree on is that it's quite mysterious. What do you think it means? Does it even matter? Can we be comfortable with the mystery of Daniel? For me personally, I love mystery. I don't feel compelled to break it down verse by verse and try to correlate it to exact moments in history or try to figure out how much of the prophecy was for Daniel's time and how much of it is for our time. I believe the most faithful Christian reading of the Bible is to interpret everything through Jesus. So what did Jesus say about Daniel? Well, unfortunately, nothing specifically that we have written down anyway. But on the road to Emmaus, we are told in Luke 24, 27, that the resurrected Christ started at the beginning with the books of Moses and went on through all the prophets, pointing out everything in the scriptures that referred to him. Jesus did say all the prophets pointed to him. So I believe we can deduce that this prophecy points to him also. I love the interpretation that Daniel 9 predicts the coming of Christ. I also love that in this passage we have past, present, and future. Daniel is reflecting on the past as he reads the scroll of Jeremiah. In the present, Daniel prays for his people and the prayer is answered. And now we're talking future. Daniel didn't even ask about that. Whatever the interpretation, Gabriel wants Daniel to know he can have peace of mind about not only the past and present, but also the future. Now, I began today by asking you the question, do we really want to know the future? Other than knowing God is in control, do we really want to know the particulars of our lives, futures? I think about my little sister, Heather. When she was really little, she was learning all about life, and she asked my parents, will there be bathrooms in college? <laughs> and my parents very sweetly answered, yes, honey, you don't have to worry about that. Since then, she has been to college and graduated from there, and I never asked her, but I'm pretty sure she found bathrooms there. <laughs> so let's not get ahead of ourselves by worrying about the future. Like Daniel, we can trust God. God will give us every step of our journey if we're, as we're ready to handle it in God's perfect timing. And God wants it that way because God wants us to stay close. And um, listening for our every move is one way to stay really close to God. So let's leave the future in God's hands. Let's trust like Daniel. Like Daniel, we need to surrender and trust our future to God. Chapter 9 in the book of Daniel ends abruptly, so we really don't know what Daniel thought about this revelation from Gabriel. 
But we do get an idea of how confused he was if we go to the last chapter of Daniel, chapter 12. We see Daniel once again listening to prophecies about the end of the world from, get this, three angels this time. And their message goes back to the apocalyptic prophecies of Daniel 9 with such convoluted, at least to me, sayings about a time, times, and half a time, and things being finished. <laughs> After this, Daniel responds, I heard all this plainly enough, but I didn't understand it. So I asked, Master, can you explain this to me? Go on about your business, Daniel, he said. The message is confidential and under lock and key until the end, until things are about to be wrapped up. Many will be washed clean and made like new, but the wicked will just keep on being wicked without a clue about what is happening. Those who live wisely and well will understand what's going on. And you, go about your business without fretting or worrying. Relax. When it's all over, you will be on your feet to receive your reward. And that's how the book of Daniel ends. We don't see anywhere in the text where Daniel himself ever made it back to his home country. In fact, it's quite the opposite. The last prophecies in this book are said to come to Daniel during the reign of Cyrus. So apparently, Daniel stayed. Legend also has it that Daniel was buried in Babylon, and there is a spot purported to be Daniel's tomb in our modern-day Susa, Iran. But you know what? I think Daniel was okay with staying in Babylon. It had become home to him. It's where God appointed him to do his life's work. And notice that the angel tells Daniel twice, go about your business. Daniel had prayed on behalf of his people, and I believe it was enough for him to know that they were able to go back to their homeland. But Daniel also got that bonus to his prayer with the visions of the future, even though he didn't completely understand them. Not only would Daniel's people survive, but the whole world would be saved in the end by God. And Daniel was told by the angel that God loved him. It doesn't get any better than that. Daniel had affirmation for his life's purpose, and toward the end of his life, he was assured that his future was secure. He had lived wisely and well. He had contentment and joy. Daniel had learned as a boy to trust God through it all. Why should it be any different for him now? And why should it be any different for, for us as Christians in the 21st century? Let's live like Daniel. If we live wisely and well like Daniel, we experience contentment and joy. As we finish up our sermon series today and look back at the totality of the life of Daniel, we see so many things about Daniel that point us to Christ, even if we don't accept the prophecy of the 70 weeks as being a messianic prophecy. Like Christ, Daniel can be for us the example of a life we'd like to emulate. Here's a list of similarities I found between Daniel and Jesus. Daniel was put in the den to die, yet he came out alive. Both Daniel and Jesus lived exemplary lives, yet both are brought before a ruler, facing trumped-up charges, and the ruler's hand is forced in bringing judgment on them. Both are put in some kind of cave or pit, which is sealed with a stone. Both come out alive, and angels are involved. Both are vindicated and exalted. The difference, of course, is that Jesus died and then was raised. And another big difference 
while Daniel faced death because of human sinfulness and pride, Jesus experienced death for human sinfulness and pride. In Daniel, his enemies were themselves thrown into the lion's den. The wonder of Jesus' death on the cross and his time in the tomb is that Jesus went there to be punished so that his enemies would never need to be. The story of Daniel isn't the same as that of Jesus, but the picture is close, so we can see how Daniel gives us an example or a pattern of what God calls us to be. Let's give thanks for what God did in and through Daniel, and still greater thanks for what God did in and through our Lord Jesus. Let's also remember, like Daniel, that we have an assurance that God loves us and our future is secure. Isn't that enough? Let's listen to Gabriel's words. Let's go about our business and relax. When it's over, we will receive our rewards. You know, if we're reading a book, we don't have to understand all the details in the middle chapters if we know how the book ends. In closing, Daniel 12:3 reads, Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Like Daniel. Let's pray like Daniel. Let's trust like Daniel. Let's live like Daniel. Let's be like Daniel. Amen.